So today we're going to continue in Luke again as we are chronologically studying through the Gospels. But this week we're going to finish what I see really is almost like a series of teachings from Jesus that each one seemed to build upon each other. Next week we're going to be in John. Today though, I see the message that we're going to go over kind of like as a closing sermon for a pastor that's gone through like an eight-week series. So think about that. How do you think Jesus will close or conclude what I really see as a series of messages that he has been teaching? What would be the main theme or the lesson as we've been going through Luke all the way from chapter 10 all the way today to chapter 13, verse 17? What do you think the main theme or the main lesson would be? Now, we're going to get to this in just a few minutes to see the closing. But before, I want to look at just a a little context for those that are especially joining in now, midway or at the end of this. Jesus and the disciples, they have been in Jerusalem in the surrounding area. And Passover was at a hand, very near. But this wasn't just Passover, was it? This was a Passover where Jesus would be crucified. Now, Jesus, as we look back in Luke, his teaching, it's been bold. It's been very bold. The time was nearing. His crucifixion was nearing. Jesus' heart was that all would be saved. And his boldness in his preaching was continuing. I mean, think about this. I've asked this several weeks in a row. But how boldly would you preach? How boldly would you share the gospel if you knew you only had a few weeks to share the hope that you've received through your faith in Jesus Christ? How bold would you go? Last week's message was bold. Christian taught. He asked us some hard questions. And he even made some points that I want to go over before we get into today's text. He asked... And told us through the passages last week that each one of us have been called to action. That each one of us have called to be vigilant. That each one of us have been called to be faithful. That each one of us has been called to be in a right relationship with God and people. We've all been called. And we must be willing as we are called to give up anything that Christ would require of us to fulfill that calling. So... Christian ended last week's message with saying a pretty big statement. He said, may we be found a church that is faithful and ready for the return of Christ. It's bold. So I'm asking you, the church, us, I asked myself this, to examine our walk last week. Have we been the church that took action? The church that was vigilant, faithful, one who surrendered all? We're All of our relationships, all of them, pleasing to God? Were you ready for Christ's return at any given time during last week? I can't say that my week was exactly defined as that at every moment. I don't know, maybe some of you. But I have to say, Jesus surely set the example for all of us to try to obtain here. Giving us a goal, a mark. That each and every day, through the power, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that we can try to walk in and be pleasing to the Father. So today, we got a powerful message. A powerful message from Jesus with three main points. So if you got your Bibles, open up to Luke. Luke chapter 13. 
And pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word, as we see you teaching, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each and every one of us, Lord. That you would remove all the distractions that would come in the way of our worship through studying of your word. Lord, whatever's going on in our minds, Lord, we would just set that aside right now, Lord. And we would just come here before your altar, Lord, and say, here I am to worship you through the study of your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just be outpoured here, Lord. That you would just, Lord, the gift of tongues, Lord. There's many people here I know that English is not their first language. So, Lord, I just pray they would receive this word, Lord. And that, Lord, they would hear from you in your word, not me. I'm just a man. But, Lord, you would just use this time, Lord. That we'd come to better understand, Lord, who we are and who you are and who you've called us to be. And all God's people said, Amen. Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. And pray for me as I teach. Can you hear my voice? We're going to keep going here, but it's... First three verses, Luke chapter 13. At this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners... Then all the other people from Galilee, Jesus asked. Is that why they suffered? Verse 3, not at all. And you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. Jesus coming out swinging, right? Powerful message, very bold. He begins here as Jesus has heard from these people that he had probably been ministering to to he heard, they've heard Jesus teach, and they have just informed Jesus of a horrific situation. So we read here that some fellow Galileans have been killed at the temple. Their blood had been spilled among the sacrifices that were being offered to God. Just think about that. Pilate had probably ordered the killing of these Galileans because he thought these were men that were rebelling or leading a rebellion against Rome. And... Obviously, when these Roman soldiers caught up to these people, probably zealots, we don't know exactly, it's not, we don't know exactly details, probably zealots though, they were at the temple offering their sacrifices, killing them right there in the place of worship. I'm sure the person that was telling Jesus of this story and those hearing of this story were expecting a pretty dramatic response from Jesus in hearing this news. I mean, wouldn't you expect something pretty dramatic in hearing this? And I was reading about this. I read some commentaries on this. And it's mentioning something about the Pharisees, because they were there. It said that Pharisees would have been opposed to using force to deal with Rome. They would have said that the Galileans killed by Pilate deserved to die for rebelling. Now, we're going to read, we read the verse, and Jesus didn't respond in a manner that either of these groups, the people or the religious leaders would have expected. In fact, Jesus uses this horrific situation that's taking place to teach the fact that each and every one of us are sinners and that we all are in the need of repentance and all of us need to turn to God. But Jesus also says something really important here. Jesus says that what happened to these men was not a result of their sin. In fact, what takes place to us in our own lives, in the world around us, is not necessarily a result of our sin, good or bad, although we all are sinners in the need of a Savior. Now, that's a big statement. That's a hard one to accept sometimes. Jesus teaches directly against what here? Karma. 
right? You believe, oh, if I do this, I'll get that. That's not what Jesus is saying. Not at all. Jesus has much more to teach us on this. Look at verses 4 and 5. And what happened, sorry, and what about the 18 people who died when the tower, Shalom, fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. And I tell you again, that unless you repent, you will perish too. So Jesus is now bringing up another tragic situation that led to the death of 18 people. Those that were killed during the construction, probably, of this tower. Now these people, likely, likely, were working for the Romans on an aqueduct. Likely. And again, as I studied, I read some commentary, and now we see a different side of this, right? Now we're going to talk about the zealots. The zealots, they were a group of anti-Roman, even you could say terrorist, that would have said the aqueduct workers deserve to die for cooperating with Rome. Pretty bold. So we've learned of two different tragedy, two different events that both resulted in the deaths of many people. So when you hear of tragedies happen, what's your thoughts? What do you think about when you hear of tragic events that take place? Do you wonder why? Why did that happen? Why did God allow that to take place? Who are these people? Maybe did these people deserve it? Maybe you look at the people and you say, no, the people didn't deserve it. Jesus clearly dismisses the idea that accidents or human cruelties is especially because of a person's sin here. It's not judgment on these people's sin. Have you ever thought when you hear about something happening, maybe they got what they deserved? Maybe because of what they've done as a person, or maybe they got what they deserved even because of what their nation is and what that nation has done to others. You ever thought that? I want to share a quote from David Guzik. He says, We normally think of some people as good and some people as bad and find it easy to believe that God should allow good things to happen to good people and bad things to bad people. Jesus corrected this thinking. But Jesus' point was not that the Galileans in questions were innocent. His point was they were simply not more guilty than the others. All were and are guilty. The question is, is when tragic things happen, either at the hand of man or what we may call a natural disaster, do we ask why? Do we justify it? Or when we hear of these things that take place, Is our heart broken for the lost? That we they would know the truth. And does that cause us and motivate us in our hearts to get out there and share the gospel? In these verses, Jesus preached very boldly repent, turn to God, or perish. The message this is the message that Jesus brought to these people and still bringing to the world. Jesus is stating a truth. That the world needs to hear. There's only two paths. Two destinations. Heaven or hell. We're either following Jesus. Or we're of the world following Satan. So often. We're concerned in our lives with the wrong things. Asking why. Or even trying to explain to ourselves. Why would this happen? 
Jesus teaches in these passages what truly matters, that we all, every one of us, will perish one day, and all of us must repent and turn to him. We never know, do we? We never know when our last day will be. We never know when the last day will be for those around us. So our focus needs to be on sharing the gospel with the lost around us, because tomorrow may be too late. Jesus is going to expound on this teaching with a parable. Back in Luke chapter 13, let's look at verses 6 through 7. And Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there's any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. So Jesus is using a parable to teach us a valuable lesson, a simple story story using a fruit tree. One interesting fact, as I studied, is although this story says this man came and looked for fruit for three years, in reality, it would have taken at least three years before the tree was mature enough, possibly, to even produce fruit. So we're possibly even looking at six years from the time it was planted, knowing the first three years were a time of growth. Then after that season of growth for the tree to grow up, the man would have been expecting that tree to bear fruit after it matured. But after it's maturing, that tree had a purpose. That man put that tree there for a reason. He expected to see that plant produce figs, to produce fruit. Now, we know that A great allowance was given. A care was given to this tree. And all things were taken care of for this tree as it grew into maturity. It's a story about a lot of us, isn't it? I see this man was very patient. Three years he waited after maturity, expecting figs. But he was very disappointed each year as the tree was not fulfilling the purpose of reduced fruit. But then he cared and he nurtured the tree for another season. Hopeful he would receive fruit. I see myself in this story. I think maybe some of you can see yourself in the story as this tree. A tree that's been planted by God for a very specific reason. Given time, given grace to mature. Mature into a a point that you're able to fulfill that calling. To fulfill that purpose. But then, year after year, we see in this story... Not fulfilling God's purpose. But God was merciful. Year after year, still wasn't he? He gave mercy. Not happy, disappointed, but gave mercy. I want to give a quote from Chuck Smith concerning this passage. Jesus told this parable of a fig tree that hadn't borne fruit. For several years, it was about to be destroyed. But the caretaker of the tree asked for one more chance to tend it and water it to see if it could bear fruit. The fig tree is often used in the Bible as a symbol of Israel as a nation. At this point, they were obviously in the process of rejecting their Messiah. But Jesus was letting them know that he was giving them another chance. How many times do we fail to bear fruit, and yet Jesus asked for another chance for us? We need to be aware that our last chance will come. We can't afford to assume that we will keep getting more chances. We won't. So looking again at verse 7, the man had come to the point believing the tree was not going to fulfill its purpose. In fact, 
Not only was it not fulfilling the purpose, his intention, it was taking nutrients from the ground, taking space in the garden that could have been used for other seed fruit producing plants. Look to Luke. Turn just a few pages back in your Bible. Luke chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Luke 3, verse 8. Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing, for I tell you. God can create the children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of these trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. John the Baptist was there, clearly understanding judgment would come. To help us understand this story, I was looking at it, and I think as it's a parable, you can look at it and understand that we know the fig tree is first the people, directly probably the people of Israel, but any, any of us, right? Any of us. Then also the man mentioned in this parable, I believe we can associate with God. He's the one who planted the tree. Then, who is the caretaker? Who is the gardener, do you believe? I see it as Jesus. It's Jesus who was caring for the tree. It was Jesus who was standing in the way, extending mercy. So think about that as we continue. Back in Luke chapter 13, let's look at verses 8 through 10. The gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year, and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. One more chance. Grace extended one more time. But not only is grace extended, but what does the gardener do? Extra care is given. Special attention is given. Special nutrients are given. All giving this tree the opportunity, given everything it needed, and even more that was needed to fulfill its intended purpose. Even at a cost, right? Costing this gardener all these things. Now remember, in verse 7, it does also mention, there is a point, a time that is given, that grace and mercy was not going to be offered no longer. There was a time of accountability that if this tree was not going to produce the fruit, it would be cut down. Now, we don't always know when that time is, do we? We don't know when we or even others will die. We don't know when Jesus is coming. But Jesus warns us. He warns us of a time that is coming when it will be too late. This story ends with a warning. As you read this in verse 9, but what's interesting in the passage, we don't learn what happened. Do we? In the end, was this tree ever cut down? Did this tree ever produce fruit as it was intended? Was the man ever pleased with the tree? Now, we believe this story is a direct warning to Israel, and we know what happened in 70 A.D. But I also believe it's a warning for each one of us, even today. That we can apply this story and we know that we need to turn from our sins. We need to turn to Jesus. And then through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can produce seed-bearing fruit. We are studying Genesis 1. It's very specific to produce seed 
seed-bearing fruit. Because then, if we are producing seed-bearing fruit, we'll be pleasing both to the gardener and the owner of the tree. Because that will be what we were intended to do. So as I read this, I think one of the lessons we can guarantee is we cannot count on tomorrow. You never know. So if you or anyone here has not accepted Jesus, place your faith in him today. Know today where you will spend eternity because you can never count on tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Let's continue. Luke chapter 13. Look at verses 10 through 13. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called out her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. A miraculous healing has taken place on the Sabbath. A woman who had endured a horrific life for 18 years, Jesus had just freed from this. I mean, seven times we've heard and seen now of miraculous things that Jesus has done on the Sabbath. Freeing people from their old lives. Freeing them from sickness. Freeing them from spiritual demonic things. Seven times we read about Jesus performing miracles on the Sabbath. I want to look at one. Just, this one isn't even on the Sabbath, but it talks about Jesus. So I want to, Luke chapter 8. Turn back. 8 verses 1 through 2. I want us to read this. Luke chapter 8 verses 1 and 2. Soon afterwards, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some of the women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them was Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. I wanted us to read this because we see in this verse, but many, many other verses, that Jesus is healing both spiritually and physically. Now, it kind of brings up a question. Can spiritual and physical sickness be related? Or is it always related? Can you have one without the other? How does that work? Because we do see, time and time again in the New Testament, Jesus healing the sick. And very often, there's spiritual things attached. Now, I don't believe it's always true. We can be sick, and it's not related to sin or something spiritual. Now, or caused by Satan. Satan doesn't get credit for everything. We can just be sick. I have a cold. I don't think that cold was directly caused by Satan. Could be. But I do believe that all sickness came in the fall in the garden and began with sin there. Now, I've been sick lately. My family's been sick. A lot of my friends have been sick. And I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what the exact cause of being sick is. Um, What I do know is when I am sick, I personally seem much more apt to the attacks of the lies of Satan. My relationships when I'm sick are strained with those closest to me, especially when I don't feel good. Maybe some of you experience the same when you're sick. It seems like when I'm sick, a lot more lies from Satan happen. I just, I'm down, and Satan's just 
Yeah, it gets me. And then it gets me with my relationship with God because sometimes I'm sleeping in in the morning maybe because I'm not getting up as early as I should be to spend time with the Word. Or maybe then I'm kind of grumpy with my wife and my children and those closest to me. I, you know, I don't know how it all works, but I do know that when I am sick, I do face a lot of spiritual warfare. And how that all works exactly, I don't know. But I can tell you one thing. We need to be praying for each other and lifting each other up in prayer. And coming alongside each other when we are walking through difficult times. I don't, again, I don't think Satan caused me to get this cold. I don't know for sure. But I don't think so. But I do know he knows when I'm down and he attacks me in my relationship with God and with others. And it starts with the simplest thing. I don't feel good. I'm going to sleep in and then I don't get in the word. And then it just, just goes downhill from there. It's side tangent. But I just feel like, felt like I could share that because it's even something I've been dealing with. Even when my wife's sick. It's just it's a strain on our relationship. And Satan goes after that. All of a sudden, my wife and I have a best relationship. But yet when we're sick, all of a sudden it's kind of like there's like, I don't know. It's interesting. My relationships, they seem to become under attack, especially when I'm sick. Now, I'm talking about a bad cold, right? I mean, worst case scenario right now. But really, look at what is happening in this story with this woman. 18 years crippled by an evil spirit, is what the verse says. 18 years, bent over double, it says. Like, I mean, all the way down. I mean, get into the technical of that. I can't, I don't think any of us here could even imagine what this woman endured physically and spiritually. Because it's clear this was caused by demonic. Jesus knew, though. Jesus knew and understood what this woman had endured. Jesus understood. And Jesus saw her. He had compassion on her. And he touched her and he healed her. Then the woman praised God. The very touch of this woman had changed this woman's life forever. She was freed now from this bondage. I get excited And just want to praise Jesus thinking about what he's done in this woman's life. I imagine even being there and seeing this taking place. To watch this woman freed from this instantly. And suffering 18 years. And Jesus restored this woman. I don't know about you. I just think about it. It gives me the chills. I've seen it take place here. I've seen the touch of God on a person's life. And their life is forever changed. We see it today. I think most of you, you just want to like dance. I mean, just praise Jesus when you see things like this take place. When you see someone truly surrender their life to Jesus and truly grasp what it is to repent from their sins and turn to Christ, you know their life is going to change forever. Let's look at verse 14. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indigent that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on those days to be healed. Not on the Sabbath. Wow, 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 huh? I'm sure every one of us would say we'd never be like this man in this story. Everyone would say that? I'd never be like that man in that story. Hard-headed or hard-hearted. More concerned with rules and other things and praising God for the work that he was doing. More concerned with the traditions that this woman's life has been transformed forever. All he could think about, yep, come back another day. You know, we all say, I'd never do that, right? I think all of us would say that. God, forgive me. I did almost the same thing yesterday. Isn't that just just amazing? I had it happen yesterday. Not exactly like this story. Of course not. But I didn't feel well. I was sick. I really didn't feel well yesterday. We got a call 
from a very, very close friend in Myanmar. She had called. We hadn't heard from her for, in months. I mean, many months. Haven't heard from her. She was so excited. So excited. She wanted to share with us. She wanted to share about how this man that she had been ministering to for years and years and years had accepted Jesus. Not only had he accepted Jesus, that Jesus had been doing miracles. She was testifying of healings. She was testifying of lives changed forever. She was praising God and was just beside herself witnessing, testimonying to us of how God was working there. She called because we're like family and she just wanted to share with us how amazing God was. How he had freed this man, her neighbor, from a life of bondage. And he literally, this man, she, should, she said, it's not even the same guy. You don't even recognize him. He's completely different. She's telling us. Now, I know this man. My family and I have prayed for this man for years past. When we'd go do outreach, he was the guy that caused all our problems with the government officials. She is sharing this testimony for like an hour. She was so excited what Jesus was doing and the miracles that he was performing. Now, I was excited in my own heart. And I, was, I knew that we should be praising God for what was taking place. I didn't feel good. And I, was, I just wanted to go to bed. Sounds pretty selfish, doesn't it? For the grace of God, there go I, huh? I was like this man. Man, I had to get to sleep because I had to get up early and prepare a message for church the next day. We need to guard our own hearts because we all look at that man and say, ah, that's not going to be me. It was me. I repented right there. I saw it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I repented. I hit the floor right there and I just worshiped God with her. And Vicky and I just sat there and listened to her and praised the Lord. But it's only God's mercy and grace that was poured out on me as I was listening to this woman pour out her own heart about what God was doing. So we read these stories in these Bibles, right? And I shared it last week. Oh, that's not me. Watch out. For the grace of God, there go I. A little different story, but it was the same thing. Same thing. We should have been worshiping Jesus. And all I could think about was I need to get to bed because I don't feel good because I got to get ready for church. That is not the heart that Jesus is seeking. So let's look at Jesus' response to this in verses 15 through 16. Did I skip a verse there? What did I do? 15, 16. But the Lord replied, You hypocrites! Each one of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox and your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, have been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? What is right? Jesus asked. He asked all of us. What is right? Jesus is rebuking anyone that would have a problem with what has taken place here. He calls this leader out a hypocrite. And I read this again. No, I'd never do this. But there I was. Jesus uses this example that these leaders, these religious leaders, would care for their animals they, were, they went so far, you get into the details. I read a lot on this. They'd actually make the special rules even so they could take care of their animals. But making sure these animals would receive everything they would need to be healthy and cared for. But they were indignant when it came to caring for this woman to love God's people. They should have been singing praises and worshiping God for what he had done. But no. So as we study the word, we learn foundational truths of who we are and who God is. If you look here, we see that 
We know that Jesus loves us. Verse 16 shows us that Jesus is compassionate. He freed this woman from bondage. Look at 16. This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, have been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right she be released, even on the Sabbath? And then Jesus asked, isn't it right this should be done? So remember that, all of us. Remember this verse next time that our hearts are a little hardened, that we're dealing with a little bit of inconvenience as someone is sharing their heart to us about Jesus. Remember that. Look at verse 17. This shamed his enemies, but all the people rejoiced at the wonderful things he did. So the result in all of this after this story is that love overcame hard-heartedness. What a, a lesson as we each face different adversaries in our own walk to let Jesus' love and compassion be seen through each one of us. Bringing shame, he brought shame to those who were hard-hearted and then praise to God from all the people. So we read three stories. First one was that Jesus had called all to repent, all to turn to him, knowing that we are all sinners and that we never know when our last day will be or for others. The second was the parable of the barren fig tree. Jesus was teaching through this story that there will be a day that grace and mercy will be cut off. And the third story, to love God's people, to do what is right in God's eyes with compassion that Jesus had, don't become hard-hearted. But I couldn't help, as I studied these passages, to relate what's taking place around us today, in the news today. I was sitting the other day with a friend I hadn't seen in a while, and I really like him. He's just a great guy. And he's sharing with me some pictures on his phone, first-hand pictures, of children in Burma that were hit with an airstrike. And I'll be honest, I don't know if anyone would want to see pictures like that. Missing limbs um, is gruesome. At the airstrike at the hands of the Burma military, the hands of wicked men. Then we all have seen this earthquake in Turkey, Syria. When I looked at the news this morning, 26,000 people had died. And I heard that number is even more just as the time goes on. 26,000 people have died. So we hear these things, these tragic things that are happening in Burma at the hands of evil men. We hear of an earthquake, natural disaster, killed over 26,000 people and growing. What effect, when we hear these things, when we see these things take place in our world, does this have on us? We just went through this story, didn't we? I want to turn to Second Peter, and this is a tough. This is a tough one today. This is really tough. Second Peter chapter three, verse eight through ten. Second Peter chapter three, eight through ten. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but it wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything in it will be found to deserve judgment. When we hear of these tragic deaths, these unexpected deaths, we often question why, don't we? Why did this take place? We have a very heavy heart when we hear of this. But what's our response? 
What's your response when you hear of these things? With a heavy heart, we should be out there sharing the gospel. That's the response we should have. Knowing that we don't know if we're going to see that person tomorrow or not. To take that time and share the gospel with them. To hear of these things and know tomorrow is not guaranteed. We need to be out there sharing Jesus. I want to give a quote from Warren Worsby. God is seeking fruit. He will accept no substitutes. And the time to repent is now. The next time you hear about a tragedy that claims many lives, ask yourself, am I just taking up space or am I bearing fruit to God's glory? Kind of a tough message. But as I read this and I think of all the things that are taking place around us, and I see the story that we studied today in Luke chapter 13, as we see these different tragic events, Jesus is clear. We're all sinners. We're all in the need of a Savior. And all of us will perish if we do not place our faith in Jesus. And so these things that we hear, although we can grieve, we can have a heavy heart, we should take action. We should be out there. We should be sharing with others the truth of who Jesus is. Because we hear these things. Did anyone share with these people? I, I don't know. But I see these things, and I'm reminded of the urgency to go outside these doors and share Jesus. Because you just never know. This could happen. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen even in, around us today. We just don't know. So we should be out there each and every day fulfilling that great command that we have, the Great Commission. So please pray with me as the worship team heads up. Heavenly Father, a tough message today for me. A tough message, I'm sure, for many people, Lord. As we hear this call, as you talk about these tragic events that took place, and a reminder that you're there, calling each one of us, Lord, calling all to repent and turn to you. And a reminder that one day we know all will face a day before you. So, Lord, I just pray that each one of us, Lord, as we think about the things that have taken place around us in the world today, Lord, that we would just really come before you, Lord, and just pray, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, Lord, you would just empower us, Lord, to go out. And remember, the time is near that we can go out through your Spirit, Lord, and share the good news. That we can go out and have a testimony of how you're working. So, Lord, I just thank you for your scriptures today, Lord, that you've given us, Lord, for the message that you've given us, Lord. It's a great reminder for all of us, Lord, that the time is short, the time is near, and we never know. So to use and to be faithful with the time that you have given us right here today, that we would just go out, Lord, and just be faithful servants, Lord, to share the gospel. And, Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity that you've given us. And, Lord, I just pray that each one of us, Lord, would remember that this week, as maybe as we meet someone, Lord, and we're like, well, I feel a calling to share Jesus with that person, but I don't really have time today because I have a meeting. That, Lord, we would remember we may not see that person again to take that opportunity and share with that person. And Lord, if there's someone that you've placed on our heart, Lord, that, Lord, we would just, Lord, be obedient to that calling and know we'd never want to be looking back and knowing we missed an opportunity to share. So, Lord, we praise you and we love you so much, Lord. Thank you again, Lord, just for loving us and showing us that compassion, Lord, for the miracles that you're doing in our lives all around us. In Jesus' name. Amen.